Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. I just love the groove. We call that how slow can you go? It's it's one of those grooves. If you go too slow, it's going to drop dead. But if you did it any faster, it wouldn't have that groove. It just wouldn't have that right groove. And welcome to another S song in the Billy Joel canon of magic. Today, we discuss the title track that kicks off the second side of the 1989 and Billboard number one selling album entitled Stormfront. The song Stormfront from the album of the same name appears nowhere else, except it opens up the 1990 DVD and concert live at Yankee Stadium for some reason. So with that all being said, since there's no other information about it, I don't think it's ever, it was never heard from again. I mean, even though I still think it was, but it's not on any other albums. Let's just go to the rankings. See what Christopher Bonanos, our good friend from New York Magazine, has to say about Stormfront out of 121 songs, Alon. I'm going to say Chris Bonanos puts this at 104. Well, you're pretty close. He puts it at 87. That's not close. Well, it's, it's down there. And he said, surprising, this is interesting. He says, surprising that this one didn't end up in Twyla Tharp's moving out because it's got a punchy big sound that would translate well to a Broadway pit. It's true with all those horns and everything. Yeah, I could see a dance number happening to this. Yeah, it goes on forever, though. Uh, Then he says, well, I don't know whether I should say it also has picked up an unfortunate association of late Stormfront to which we will not be uh, is the premier white supremacist site on the Internet. (laughs) Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's really weird, right? Because it sounds, it's it's this white supremacist thing. And then even the album kind of has this look like a Nazi flag when you look at it. So oh, the whole God, thing is weird. I didn't even, you're right. Oh, that's weird. Uh, anyway, Glenn Gamboa puts it at 104. Isn't that what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> so he puts it at 104 and he has the, the best uh, two word quote. So meteorological. So, damn it. So meteorological. did i get that right you got it right the fans rank it at a low very low 97 so apparently nobody really cares for this song for me i think about it all the time i guess it was during that time i guess i was a big fan of this album in a way just because we didn't start the fire was just in my head every day and everything but i think about this song a lot sometimes i say i mean i don't think about it a lot but i Think about its big, bold opening. And and sometimes I'll just, you know, these songs that I have in my head where I go around the house singing one line, which seems to come a lot of this album, uh, State of Grace, all that kind of stuff, uh, where I'm just like, there's a storm front coming. And that's all I know. Ooh, you know, like that. that's the only part I know when I was listening again. I'm like, all right, there's a there's more to the song. 
Well, yeah, you glossed over the worst part of it, which is right after the Stormfront line. That thing that you said, ooh, ooh, when he says mood indigo. Yeah, what which, is that? I don't know. It's like my least favorite thing. I mean, what was he thinking? I looked it up. I Googled it. It's a jazz song by Duke Ellington from 1930. Oh. So I guess it's an homage to that. But to me, that phrase, mood indigo, just ruins anything that was good about this song. Is that what they're saying instead of ooh? Yeah, they're saying mood indigo. I never noticed that until I saw the lyrics. And I thought, Actually, I thought it had something to do with the storm warnings, like that indigo was one of the colors of the, you know, like on the beach, they, you know, green means something, red means something. I thought maybe indigo was some sort of storm warning. Yeah, I think maybe he means more like his mood in the song. So like indigo being what, like a really deep violety blue or something, I think it is. Not really good. Maybe he's talking about a mood ring. Yeah. So maybe that means uh, what? Uh, jealousy or uh, wandering eye, whatever the song is about, how he wants to cheat on Christy Brinkley. <laughs> oh, that is just sad. Cheating on Christy Brinkley doesn't sound right. Uh, that's really bad. This, this is why, why the marriage didn't work. It's 1989. He's three years in and he's writing a song about how hey, I should be happy with my life, but I keep looking at all these other women. Well, I guess that's the thing. Once you're married to a Christy Brinkley or dating a Christy Brinkley, you're like, I am the shit. I can clearly get anyone. Yeah, and he was definitely overconfident because if you ever watched that live version from Yankee Stadium, you know, he's singing the song and she's there with her big camera filming it and dancing along as if she's totally unaware about what he's singing about. Or she's aware and doesn't care because he's Billy Joel. Or she's just a professional model and she can forgo all that stuff when she's working. Yeah, that too. See? <laughs> We're not going to... Well, I'm not going to let you sit here and pick on Christy Brinkley on this unbelievable episode. Do not besmirch her good name. Look at this. There's a stormfront coming, mood indigo, white water running, and the pressure is low. Stormfront coming, mood indigo, small craft warning on the radio. Why are we listening to this song? I know. What does he do? Why is he torturing us with she sea shanties time and time again? This is the chorus of the song. The final line of the chorus is small craft warning on the radio. Yes. When you're when you bring up the word radio, it's supposed to be a rock and roll song about the radio, you know, that what's playing on the radio. Yeah, not the not, CB radio. Right. Not a CB radio, exactly. A short wave radio. He's making like a ham radio song. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I'm watching Wicked Tuna. <laughs> We've got a low pressure system and a northeastern breeze. We've got a failing barometer and rising seas. We've got the what? Cumulum bus? Cumulonimbus. Cumulonimbus. Those are those really, really big poofy clouds that have thunderstorms and lightning in them. Poofy clouds. And possible gale. We've got a force nine blowing on the Beaufort scale. How was this not released as a single? All right. Let me just point out an inaccuracy here. All right. Uh, the, the flag that we see on the cover of the Stormfront album represents a force 10 through 12 on the Beaufort scale, which are the strongest. <laughs> 10 is like strong gale, 12 is hurricane force, and uh, 9 does not relate to that flag. It's got a different flag. So he's using a lyric about a force 9 when you're, if you're looking at that album cover while listening to this, you're looking at a force 10. Oh, my God. This is scenes from an Italian restaurant all over again. How is this the summer of 75? <laughs> exactly. What the hell? It's like, you know, you're right, Alon. If you're going to hit us with all this sea knowledge, 
which he's just <laughs> doing. Now he's like, not only am I married to Christy Brinkley, now I'm going to show you my knowledge of history on this album. Now I'm also going to show you my knowledge of the sea. I'm really going to let you have it because I'm married to the hottest girl and I'm very full of myself. And here's my sea knowledge as well. I mean, he could have done. We didn't start the fire with this information. Low pressure system, northeastern breeze, falling barometer and rising seas. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is just a lot of information no one wants to hear of. It's really, really weird. He just wants to impress meteorologists. He probably had a crush on Frank Field or Mr. G. How do you remember those guys? Well, I know Frank Field's son, Stormfield. He was my generation. Oh, oh, but you don't know. I thought maybe you did because you grew up in Manhattan. No, I do. I mean, Frank was like the old, he was really old, but he would still yeah. be on sometimes, but Storm would be on like a better station and he'd be cool and young. And then there's Frank Field, who was like 85 and shaky in yep. front of the blue screen. Frank Field was on NBC and Storm Field was on ABC. And what a dick to name his son Storm. He had to become a <laughs> weatherman. What other option is there? There is no other option. It's a dick move. I mean, but that guy was all right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, this, which I did not know, just traveling with the research here that I didn't realize this song opens. The, the groove is inspired completely by Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer, which is amazing. I I think, I feel like we talked about this album so recently, but, uh, but I don't remember, but yes, sledgehammer blew everybody away. It was one of those, it came out in 1986, so it was one of those albums that was really made for CDs, you know, when CDs were just hitting it. Uh-huh. So it was pristine, you know, music. Like, he really took time with this album, and it's a legendary album now. And Sledgehammer, people love it. And I thought we were talking about um well, I think Harry we were Styles. talking about music videos, I think, and that's why Sledgehammer came out. That's true, too, but we're talking about Harry Styles did a version of Steam recently on Howard Stern and Sledgehammer was such a, a big deal that um, it turns out Mark Rivera played the saxophone on Sledgehammer, but yeah. really, but what was not on Stormfront. What happened there? Apparently he was on tour with Hall of Notes, so he just was not available while they were recording. Okay, so wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What What's the timeline? Oh, so there was a three-year absence between the bridge and... Stormfront. So I guess maybe that he took another gig. He was like, he, I don't know what's happening with Billy. So and and if you can, you blame him. After that, there was like, what, a six year gap or five between that and so River of Dreams. He was clearly winding down. So I guess Rivera took a, a, a better gig or a, a different gig. And that being on that Peter Gabriel's album is a, a pretty prestigious gig. Yeah, apparently he was with a lot of different bands. He was with uh, Simon and Garfunkel. He was with John Lennon before John Lennon died. He was on his last performance. Wow. He was with Hall & Oates a bunch. He was with Ringo Starr and his all-star band. He was the musical director of that in the mid-90s. So anytime it was in between Billy Joel stuff, Mark Rivera was always out there doing other things. He also recorded on a Foreigner album, Foreigner 4. So it's kind of funny because then you get to 1989 where Mick Jones is producing Billy Joel's album. And he's doing a song based on a Peter Gabriel song that Mark Rivera was on. Yeah. But Mark Rivera is not on this song. And the thing is, we, I th- we were talking about that Foreigner 4 song, I think, I think when we were doing State of Grace. Right. Because that was an 80s kind of sound to it, which this is not. But I, I don't know whether this song holds up. I don't even know. I'd be curious to see if our listeners even like, oh, I love this song. Because I've never heard anybody say, 
I love Stormfront. Um, damn it. Again, you know, I saw this tour twice. I feel like he opened with this song, but I, I don't know. I can't remember. I'll, I'll look that up because it was probably an MSG show, right? Uh, no, actually, this uh, I was going to get to it. But uh, when we got to it, it starts fire. I saw this one in Boston. Yeah, I think I saw them both places. I was obsessed with We Didn't Start the Fire and I guess this album. I don't know. Even though I really don't like any of the other songs off the album. But, uh, you know, it's Billy Joel and he was the man. Yeah, uh, I could see that. Played it in Worcester, Mass. You know, I might have seen it in Worcester, Mass. He uh, he didn't play this until December of 89. So earlier in the tour, uh, he might have put this in like on the later half of the tour. Well, I don't know if I saw it earlier. Now, but anyway, wondering. he was opening with this song. So if you saw him play this, then it was probably the opening uh, opening song. Well, why don't you tell us what are the live stats on this song in general? I mean, is he bringing it back? Has he played it recently? It's a strange song. Yeah, this is uh, a highly topical song because he's played this song 89 times. It's the 44th most played song. He stopped playing it completely in 1991. Then he played it once in 1998, once in 2006, and then never again until April 2022. Oh. When he opened the show at MSG with this song. Wow. And then he played it again in May. Isn't that interesting? Well, you know what? It makes a lot of sense to stop doing the song after he was doing it because the song isn't very good, but it's not bad. But if you're opening the Stormfront album tour with it, it did make a lot of sense. And again, again, and we've talked about it so many times, the balls of this guy to open with a brand new song, even that's not a hit from the new album like that is just he's so cool. He, he knows he's like, I, I can open with anything because everybody knows what's coming. So I don't got to worry. I can open with the worst song ever and no one's going to care because they won't even remember if uh, they didn't like it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of funny that he opened with this song because it's not the opening song on the album. That's not her style is the opening song on the album. That's weird. I always, th- you know what? I think I always thought this was the opening song on the album because it just seemed to make so sense. And when I read it just now, when I was saying it, it kicks off the second side. Uh, it's kind of weird to kick off the second side that way. It should have opened the album. And that's not her style, which we haven't gotten to yet, is a very strange song to start with. But we'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's kind of odd to start. And try, I, now, this was the time where you were buying CDs. So maybe that had something to do with it. I mean, this was when CDs were in full force. So maybe even though I think I have it on vinyl, they might have started not thinking about those things anymore. Yeah. And I can see why this could be an opening song. Cause I guess the horns are like really powerful. Right yeah, no, that. it works. It's a, it's a fun opening out of all the songs. I mean, you, you can't open your concert with, we didn't start the fire, but he could have, but yeah, yeah. That one was so popular that came in in the middle. I mean, that mm-hmm. was sick. People were going crazy. This is a, this is a good opening song. I like it. I think it's up there with, any of the openings as he does those those good horns or it's kind of fun it just doesn't i think if you went and he opened with it you'd be a little disappointed well i watched the video from april in msg and you know it's you see and the guy's filming from before the music starts so it's just like you hear the whatever backing track he plays on the on the uh pa system and the lights are still on then all of a sudden the lights go down and then this song starts 
And the crowd doesn't seem that excited, to be honest. Yeah. They're kind of yeah. bopping along a little bit, but no one's like, yeah. They're all like, what is this? Is this yeah, a new song? It, that's like, like I said, it's a little like if you and I were there, we'd be like, oh, he's opening with Stormfront. And that'd be where it ends, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's an oh kind of song. Yeah. I mean, ain't that great, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would be very curious to see what our listeners think. I am very, very curious to see how uh, people stand on this song. Yeah, me too. I don't. I really. I mean, obviously, the, from the listener rankings, it wasn't very high. No one seems to really love it. But for some reason, he decided to play it again. That's what's strange. Maybe Billy likes the song. Well, again, we keep talking about like, you know, why isn't he pulling out more songs like this that even if we hate it, that he just might want to take another stab at? After all this time and all the residency, you know, why if you were opening with this song for three years in a row or, or the three years that this song was out or, you know, pretty close to a two year tour, why? How have you waited till 2022 to bring it out again? Yeah, maybe it's because like vocally, this is a good song. It's kind of in his current wheelhouse, like it can use his lower register more. Yeah, maybe. So he's maybe, just not straining himself. Maybe people realize they're like, he's like, uh, maybe they don't like me talking about the ocean anymore. Here's a song you might like. It's called Great Ships and Great Oceans. That would be And awesome. then we're going to go into Stormfront and then the, the Down Easter Alexa. And after that, uh, we, oh my God, it never ends. <laughs> Winking, blinking, and nod. <laughs> Sailing across the sea. Would you please do a little? <laughs> I think I was. I think I was walking down the street doing you doing winking, blinking, and nod the other day. <laughs> yeah, that'll get me every time. All right. So the horns on this song are the Memphis horns. So they didn't get Mark Rivera, but they replaced him with like the most legendary horn crew in recording music history probably these are the guys who did sitting on the dock of the bay oh wow let's stay together those are great horns in that song you instantly can picture it suspicious minds by elvis and then they also had lenny pickett from snl on the saxophone well i I think it's great that they mark rivera had to be replaced by a multitude of people yeah that's really saying something you know yeah so he had to feel good but didn't mark rivera go on the tour wasn't he? He, was, he might not. Yeah, he wasn't album. kicked out of the band or anything, so he was still there on the tour. Yeah, that's so cool. See, he did. See, that's the thing. What I talked, Mark Rivera. Obviously, he's still with him. He's obviously a good man because he there was no ill will. And that's the thing about musicians. If you're upset, if Liberty's so upset, go out and do something else. You know, when you're not touring, and then come back and be part of the band. You know. Yeah, Mark Rivera even said back in 2014, Billy Joel, like last minute, was like, "Hey, I'm doing a tour of Europe." And Mark was like, I have already committed to do uh, Ringo's shows, so I really can't get out of this. And Billy Joel was cool about it. He was like, well, Billy Joel, a Beatle. Billy Joel, a Beatle. You got to go with the Beatle. Well, that's probably the one guy he would probably be okay with. Yeah. You know, Billy, the way we know how he feels about them, that's that's like, well, got to take that. I mean, I'd prefer if it was Paul McCartney, but uh, I'll take it. Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? Yeah, I got one. You'll never get it. Okay. But <laughs> it's long, I think. Good. I had trouble wording it. Billy asked another musician coming off a huge hit album and song 
five months earlier than the Stormfront album release in 1989 to sing backup vocals on this song, Stormfront. Billy then returned the favor and wailed on the piano for this musician's next album, which was not as successful. Then this artist on his fourth album did a cover of Miami 2017. So clearly he was a huge fan. However, this musician ended up competing with Billy Joel for best pop male vocal performance at the 1990 Grammys. Billy for We Didn't Start the Fire and this dude for, here's the hint, right here waiting. Who's this crazed fanboy? This crazed fanboy must be great-grandson of the founder of communism, Richard Marx. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's why he was on this album with Leningrad. Yeah, and that <laughs> communist flag on the cover. That's right. Yes, it was Richard Marx is the answer, and Billy Joel plays on his album. album that didn't go anywhere uh, plays on this one song and then richard marks did miami 2017 very good version Yeah, and then they were both up for Best Pop Vocalist. I, they lost to Roy Orbison that year, I believe. Oh. What are you going to do? Yeah, lifetime achievement stuff. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a trivia question for me? I have two because I think the first one you probably know really well. So I'm just, I, I assume that you do. And I think maybe we even talked about it. But well, I didn't think me. you'd get the Richard Marks one. So let's well, see. I'm full of surprises. Okay. My question is, uh, Rosanna Arquette, was a muse for many singers. What hit song of Peter Gabriel's did she inspire? Ooh. Oh, Peter Gabriel's. Salisbury Hill. Because she likes Salisbury steak. Spank the monkey. No, <laughs> shock the monkey. That's it. Uh, no. Um, is it a song off of So or Us? Like the only I, I don't know his albums, but it's one oh. of his hit songs. Is it? Oh, is it In Your Eyes? Yeah. Uh, wow. This Roseanne Arquette, huh? Boy, she really was something else. Yeah. So they, he wrote In Your Eyes for Were they dating? Yeah, she was like his live-in girlfriend after his divorce in 1986. Yeah, because remember when the Toto song did Rosanna, the guy that wrote it wasn't dating her. Somebody else was. He was trying to win her back? Or just win no, her to I begin with? No, I think he was just in love with her. It was like, uh, 
you know, like Elizabeth Weber shit with uh, Smalls and uh, you know, like Billy Rose. Yeah, like, Biggie Smalls. The song sounds like it's about my wife. No, no, no. It's uh, about somebody else. It's uh, about Rosanna Arquette. Yeah, it's about Rosanna Arquette. Who? You'll She's see. Like She's going to be really big. Your kids will love her. Wow. Wow. How about her, huh? I didn't know that. That's fascinating. I never I thought heard you that. knew that because I thought we always talk about how there's like two big songs that she inspired. And I thought, obviously, Rosanna. But what was the other one that, you know, is there another one? No, I only know Rosanna. Oh, OK. I, I, I didn't know this. That's that's fascinating news. I didn't even know they were dating. Seems like something I would have known in the 80s. So what's your second trivia question? OK, so the second one, if you had known that one was what British singer who recorded a duet with Peter Gabriel in 1986 in June 2022, had a number one song in the UK and a number four song in the US that she recorded 37 years earlier in 1985. It's Kate Bush. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. Don't Give Up is the song. You ever see that video? No. Oh, my God. It is slow. <laughs> it's just him and her hugging and the camera pans around them the whole time. It's it's like a six-minute song. It's a, it's 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 a fun. It's it's not a fun song. It's a it's an okay song. It just goes on for a very long time. Oh, just like my question. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up. <laughs> Sounds like a classic. Hey, it's a it's a bit much. A bit, it's a bit much. much. But yeah, I remember that one, Kate Bush, because. What did she do that song? Running up that hill. Yeah, that's the big hit now. Oh, they bought it back? That's what I was saying. In 2022, this month, because they used it in Stranger Things, it became a number one song. It was from 1985, and now it's doing even better than it did back then. Number four in the U.S., number one in the U.K. I can't believe it was uh, number four in the U.S. I only knew about it because I worked at a college radio station, and she was the queen of college radio and nowhere else. Yeah, well, back then it was number 30. So now, oh, it's oh it. back then it was number. Th- oh, I was going to say, I thought you said it was number four. Now, currently, it's number oh, four. Oh, wow. Well, that makes wow. Well, wow. They picked that out of obscurity. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember yeah, good that. for her. I mean, she must be making millions off of it now. I just, I remember, and I was just like, this song blows. <laughs> <laughs> Running up the. But it's funny. I mean, I remember it completely, but it's coming back. I hated it. <laughs> But it works so well with the show and the way that they use it that like now it's totally intertwined, kind of like in your eyes with say anything. Right, right. Where it's it's the audio visual aspect of it and you can't get those two out of your mind. Yeah, sometimes I forget that in your eyes is on the so album. I always think it's made for that movie. Yeah, it's a, you're right, completely intertwined. Talk about, yeah, when you have a, a perfect moment in a movie that just resonates. Resonates. With people, yes, exactly. What is your weird Alon parody for the weird song Stormfront? Okay, so this one is uh, it's called My Date's Not Coming. My Date's Not Coming? It'll make All sense right. with the melody. But it, it really, you could use the actual words as the parody, and they'd still, I'd be like, oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, well, my first thought was like, warm front. And I was like, no, then it's just meteorology again. Yeah, I know. It's white water running and the pressure is low. Oh, Alon, that is so funny. 
<laughs> you can hear it on your CB radio. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's hear it. My date from Tinder told me meet her at 5.30. Now I'm waiting at a table set for two. Almost seven. Get a refill of my water. Now she's texting. Says she'll be there in a few. She told me to stay. She's just stuck in some bad traffic. But I can't believe a two-hour delay. She lives three blocks away. My date's not coming. Stood up again. (laughs) My blood is boiling and I'm feeling alone. My date's not coming. Stood up again. I'll eat more free bread and head back home. I have misplaced my pants. Uh, all right. I, I, I think you still could have used mood indigo. <laughs> could have used mood indigo. I forgot. I wanted to tell you to do the backing vocals, but then I was already in the middle of the song. Yeah, no, I was thinking about it. And then I realized I don't know the backing vocals because it's mood indigo. And I thought it was. I, but I didn't know they were saying something. Yeah. Well, in this version, it's stood up again. Now I just want to listen to Sledgehammer. I watched the whole video. I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Oh, my God. That like that, like the aha video changed everything. Yeah. That it's video like made him a superstar. When you were talking in the other episode, um, I forget which one it was, but you're saying how these music videos, they do them in like in one day. It was like not a big deal. Then this must have taken weeks. Yeah, I think so. But I don't know about weeks, really. That I don't. The only video that ever took more than a couple of days was the Thriller video with Michael Jackson. But this is even more complicated because stop motion I, animation is slow. I know, but I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna look that up. Well, folks, that was Stormfront. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Were you excited to hear a song about cumulonimbus clouds? I can't believe you said that perfectly again. <laughs> I could spell it too. Are you surprised Mark Rivera wasn't on this album? Are you surprised Billy uses this as an opening song? And was this episode a nine on the Beaufort scale? Oh, yeah. I say we were 12, full 12, hurricane of an episode. Oh, yes. You're absolutely right. Batten down the hatches. Yeah, because we got a falling barometer. Ooh, low pressure system coming in. This is stupid. (laughs) Well, anyway, guys, make sure you listen to us on your small wave CB radios. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Alon Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. Aye, aye. Ahoy. There's a star.